Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Jennifer Blumberg from Next Solutions in New York. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Ryan Ireland from craftquest.io. And today we have a special guest. We have Matthias Novak, and he is from the Netherlands. Welcome. That's right. Thank you. We're so happy to have you on. So as a bit of context, on a previous episode, we first discussed what the internet was and how it worked from a very basic level. And we figured out through the course of the podcast that it was a series of tubes with tiny carrier pigeons flying back and forth, carrying packets to different places, delivering messages. I think uh-huh. we got as far as figuring out what HTML was and what CSS was, and even a little bit about what JavaScript was, but we didn't cover that in too much detail. But since today we're talking about PHP, I'm going to pose a question to all of you. So no pressure on our guests to answer right away. So if you're on the new Shepard set to launch civilians into space on July 20th, and the countdown is about to begin, and your fellow astronaut turns to you and says, hey, what is PHP anyway? What do you tell him? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> and I guess the, the next question is, do we need PHP developers on board? So that's uh, that's another thing. <laughs> well, if, if you've been talking about the internet, so I, I didn't uh, listen in on the, the previous um, episodes, but um, if you talked about HTML and, and serving pages of HTML to people all over the world, then PHP is, is making those pages for you. It's, it's making the HTML mostly. So that's, I would say an important role for for PHP to play. I would personally say that I would interrogate people and I would say if any PHP code is part of the launch control systems for this plane, I'm, I'm getting off but immediately. Why? I'm getting I off. I thought PHP was awesome. I thought it was the best programming <laughs> language. Why would you say that? I, I would I, say, I was, who cares? Nobody uses it anyway. Ah, <laughs> wow. Okay. So is first of all, of conversation? Is, that, is that true? First of all, all right, that's harsh. Okay. So that's really harsh, Ryan. And it's actually not true. So this is a, a really interesting statistic that I dug up when I was kind of looking around. W3 Tech reports that as of April 2021, PHP is used by 79.2% of all the websites whose server-side programming language we know. That's just WordPress, right? Crazy. Well, a lot, a lot of that probably is WordPress. But, you know, we're kind of, I was making a joke, Matthias, in, in, in bagging on PHP, but it's actually a really interesting language in that it started out when a guy, I think his name was Rasmus, was just mm-hmm. kind of working on his own homepage. And originally the syntax for PHP, he wanted like a little bit of dynamicism in there. Mm-hmm. And originally the syntax was all included in comments, you know, HTML comments. So it was like less than sign, bang, dash dash and then in that html Mm -hmm. comment you would put the php directives and it could do some very basic things and originally it was just something to make his own homepage that's the originally the name was personal homepage Mm -hmm. yeah it used to be very simple in the beginning it it didn't have uh, classes or or, uh, any kind of advanced oop concept in it but it was already very effective and well also quite slow back then a a lot has changed as well since then it has become a very serious language it's not just wordpress and and cmss but it's it's really like full-blown applications and in this sense uh, yeah it's it's actually pretty similar to java applications written with something like this the spring framework where yeah you you can you can serve web pages but you can you can do anything in the background as well yeah as a a reformed systems programmer with a a c background i had to get my digs in Mm -hmm. on php but the reality is that php today is a lot different than the php that a lot of us may remember in the kind of the the battle days and it is I enjoy a strictly typed language, um, mm-hmm. so some parts of PHP drive me insane. Yeah. But the interesting thing about the language is, uh, you know, there's a, a quote from this Rasmus guy who wrote it, mm-hmm. and he never intended to start to make it a programming language. Like, he didn't even know how to write a programming language, which is it's understandable. Like, you have to know how to write a lexer and all these kind of crazy things. Right. And the, the quote from him was, I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> there was never <laughs> any intent to write a programming language. I have absolutely no idea how to write a programming language. (laughs) I just kept adding the next logical step on the way, which is so, so this was an organically formed thing, right? Exactly, yeah. And which which is why it had so many problems as well. And I think back in the beginning, it was basically a wrapper for a lot of already existing C functions that that he he wanted to use for the web as well. But yeah, like somebody comes along and wants more and then it gets added to the system. And yeah, it also becomes slow or inconsistent uh, over 
time. It had some issues with uh, memory management as well for uh, for the the long running processes. But there there have been many people joining the uh, yeah the the source code and adding things to it and voting about well what should be the direction of the um, of the language. Or um, there's there always have been many people working on the surrounding tools. Like uh, there's an entire ecosystem of things that make the language better than than it is on its own. So that's an interesting thing about uh, PHP, I think. But so you mentioned a wrapper around C. What does PHP have to do with C? Well, it's written in C. In the beginning, it was just uh, exposing some of the functionality from the C standard library into, well, PHP. Okay, but I, I guess the the question is, and this is for everyone, is mm-hmm. why? I mean, why do we need that? Why can't we just have it written in C? Well, b- because C is very low level, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's hard to write. And PHP is ve- it's very high level, and it's easy to write. You don't have to think about memory management yourself. So you, you just create a variable. And in fact, it is right that you can just say, well, just d- don't even define the type of the variable mm-hmm. when you when you first define it. You just start using it, and <laughs> you don't have to think about it. Uh, and you don't have to think about how many bytes would I need for this, uh, this value. But then, and this is something funny about PHP as well, like it was very dynamic. It still is dynamic, but you can have all kinds of extra layers on top of it mm-hmm. that makes it more strict and, and more easy to use or safer to use. Well, the, the funny thing from my perspective is that when this guy was making this thing, again, he was trying to create just sort of what we would now term a templating language mm-hmm. is what he was kind of trying to yeah. make. Yeah. And the, the great irony there is that now there, because yeah. PHP has grown to be this actual full-on programming language, mm-hmm. there are now templating languages like Twig <laughs> that are yeah. implemented on top of PHP when it was originally designed to just be yeah. this light-duty templating language, which I, I think is kind of funny. <laughs> but so and, the, yeah, the reason and Twig it's written, is just implementing, in a lot of cases, like a Twig filter function is just implementing a, a mm-hmm. PHP function just mm-hmm. directly yeah yeah but it's doing kind of the same thing that originally he wanted to do with php which is provide a simple safe layer for doing this kind of stuff yeah. you know yeah and i don't know it's just interesting but you were asking about c and and why is it written in c and why don't we just write everything in mm-hmm. c mm-hmm. i mean in theory you could jennifer um mm-hmm. it would be a very different group of people that would be involved in working on it and it probably would be a much smaller group of people because C is a, it's not a very forgiving language and it really is, it was designed for purpose. So C was designed for system level programming. It was designed for writing the Unix operating system is literally what it was designed for. And it's really good at that, but maybe less good at doing some of the common operations that you might want to do when you're trying to display some HTML on a web page somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the the Zend engine is I believe the original, or, or not the original, when, it, when they ha- actually had a formalized engine written in C that drives PHP. It was the Zend engine that was de- uh, developed by a couple of guys and is still is still mm-hmm. in use today. And what it does, there are a couple things that it does. So one thing is, so if you think about it, let's say you've got a bunch of PHP code and there's a statement that says something like, maybe it has a conditional like switch, something like that. Well, Alexa has to go in and pick out that word, right? It has to find that word and it says, okay, mm-hmm. in this context, what does this mean? That is actually kind of a slow operation. So what the Zend library does is it takes all of the actual PHP text code and it converts it into a simplified byte code. Mm -hmm. So that switch statement, which was, you know, what is it? Five characters in Unicode or whatever it was, will get converted down to a byte code. So it may be two bytes of data, 16 bits of data that will say, okay, this is a switch statement. And it kind of gets compiled down to that. And then the actual execution is done on the bytecode because it's much quicker to just run through the bytecode and interpret that simplified state machine mm-hmm. than it is to go through and parse all of the, the text that is in your PHP document, which originally, that's how it worked. Like it was just a parser originally. Mm-hmm. So what is a lexer? You used that word a couple of times. It's basically something that will turn language that human can understand mm-hmm. into language that a computer can understand, or at least symbols that a computer can understand. I'm definitely not an expert in developing compilers, but that's my mm-hmm. understanding. Of, of what it so is. So that's what's taking PHP and compiling it to C or C and compiling it to something more low level? Like what, where's well. the Lex- what's the Lexer doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so what the Lexer is doing is it's turning it into a bytecode. So imagine it, it'll take a word and it will turn that into a, imagine if it took a word and turned it into a single character, 
but it knew what that character did. Does that make sense? It, mm -hmm. It's sort of, it's taking, it's tokenizing the words and turning them into these, into a byte code. So it would, so maybe byte 200 might mean switch, you know? So it's a way to take text, which is very verbose, but is easy for people to understand. And it turns it into a machine code that is much more efficient for a machine to just be able to fly through and do something with it. But basically, uh, oh my God. Okay, we're <laughs> going to start from the beginning, I guess. No, it makes you know, sense. It's, yeah. it's about recognizing a piece of code and, and there are different languages. So you, you will have PHP and C and Java and you can look at it. And as a human, you will recognize the, the different parts of the of the text, basically of the source code. Uh, and you will start interpreting it. Like here, here begins the class here's the first method and some statements in there and lexing is recognizing the like the, the the predefined tokens in the language so what an if looks like and and accolades and brackets and things like that and then there is a parsing step which interprets all the tokens and gives them meaning so it says oh here i have to do this kind of operation at the machine level so that's that's a, the conversion from like basic code to actual things that a machine can do yep. and yeah that's this is something that uh, and and this is different for many languages uh, php is a script language so yeah basically it would be it would be possible to write a script and then run it and see if it works instead of first compiling it linking it uh, creating output and, and all of those steps that might be needed in other languages so you can just write a bit of code and and see if it works and what i was going to do is take a step back so mm -hmm. when a request comes in like mm -hmm. a, someone types an address into a web browser and uh, nginx handles it or whatever the web server is handles it caddy patchy you know whatever it is mm -hmm. if it recognizes that it's for a php script it will hand it off to typically these days people are using php fpm mm -hmm. and what that is uh, fpm stands for fast process manager and essentially the way it works is that there is one master PHP FPM process and then it spawns what is called a worker pool. So it has a fixed number and you can you can set how many there will be to start with, what is the maximum, you know, how many can ever be there in the worker pool. But these worker processes are what gonna are gonna get handed off the request. And it's gonna say, okay, someone asked for this particular thing, worker process, run this PHP code and you know, give me back a result. And what's gonna end up happening then is it's going to go through and it's going to use the lexer and it's going to turn that into a bytecode. And then it's going to execute the bytecode and it's going to do whatever it does, whether it's handling it inside of PHP or whether it's calling out to various system libraries or whatever it is. And then it's going to end up returning a result. The rub in there, the interesting thing to, to look at in there is that this is being interpreted. It's an interpreted bytecode in the way that it, this is being done here. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is a performance optimization is this thing called OP cache or op cache. Mm -hmm. And what that does is instead of having to lex and then figure out, you know, turn this text into opcodes every single time a request comes in, it says, all right, I'm just going to save the results of the opcode. I'm just going to save that. And the next time the request comes in, I'm going to skip the lexing part and I'm just going to execute the opcodes that are there. And that's what the, the opcache does. And it's nice because it will skip a whole lot of stuff that usually doesn't need to be done every time. It's mm -hmm. very, only when stuff changes do you need to do it. And then one thing you'll notice here in this whole description is nowhere are we talking about native code other than when we said the, the PHP engine is going to execute something or it's going to call out to system libraries or whatever. And that's because PHP historically has been an interpreted bytecode in terms of how it works. That's, that's changed recently, but I, I think we're going to get to that later. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I understand what you just said correctly, when we're talking about the internet, there's a bunch of leprechauns running back and forth through the tubes, carrying packets <laughs> to different places. When they, leprechaun pigeons. Leprechaun pigeons. When they get to the yeah. place, PHP is one of the languages that the elves speak when they build the messages that get put back into the packages and sent back. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah, basically. Is it, is it possible to see that translated language like out of PHP into C somewhere on the server in the process as like in, as like a debugging tool. You mean the bytecode? Yeah. Or anything yeah. in between. Yeah. It, I mean, you definitely would be able to access and dump the, the bytecode, the op caches, if you wanted to. You could look at them. They wouldn't mean much to you, <laughs> but you could mm -hmm. definitely look at them. Now, you wouldn't be able to look at the compiled C code because uh, up till now, we haven't talked about there being any compiled C code other, uh -huh. than, the P other than the Zend PHP engine, which is written in, in C, and then any system libraries that it ends up calling. So I've seen Zend, you know, I didn't I had no idea what it was. I just see it everywhere. Does do all of the frameworks, does everyone use Zend? Yeah. 
Okay. So Zend has been ported to a whole bunch of platforms, and I, I'm pretty sure it's the there. I don't know. Maybe Matthias can help me out. I, I know mm-hmm. there was some. I'm pretty sure Zend is the only one that is being used, right? The only oh. PHP engine. Yeah, I think that, that that's maybe the the confusing part here as well. Like Zend is also used for the name Zend framework, which yeah. is uh, actually a library that you will include in your project uh, to mm-hmm. to make certain things easier. But it's not at a language level. But yeah, right. I, I don't know really about the the historical parts of it, but probably it's the same company that that that, that did it uh, it back is. then. So I don't know. Yeah, the two <laughs> the two guys that created the the Zend engine then founded the Zend company that because they made the Zend engine open source. Right. They founded the company to do the typical open source thing where you create the thing and then you make money at the periphery, you know, the stuff around it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's used by framework such as Symfony or Laravel. Mm-hmm. Anything that uses PHP, like for whenever you have PHP installed somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah. the Zend engine is there. The, the Zend engine is been ported to platforms all over the world. You know, all sorts of different variants of Linux and mm-hmm. Mac, Windows, all that kind of fun stuff. Well, okay. And Matthias, you mentioned that you can use PHP in the same way that you could use Java. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that applies to other, I guess we call them backend development tools like Node or mm-hmm. Python. Yeah. Well, why, why would we use PHP? Can we use it to power this rocket ship or w- would we? I'm getting off. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, well, why, why well, PHP instead of Java, for example? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I never felt the need to, to, to make the jump to Java or anything. It's like, uh, yeah, it, PHP has everything we need for serving web requests and doing everything, anything that needs to happen in, in the backend. But I mean, people are also jumping to Node.js for backend servers. And I don't know. I don't feel the need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Well, they're not yeah. jumping very hard. If, if still 80% oh. of the web is powered by PHP, that doesn't leave a lot of room left for Ruby, Python, Go, Node, like it's, that's a pretty dominating position. And of course it depends on their sample and how the data was collected and all that kind of stuff. But still that's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy. Why is it so dominant? Yeah, I think mainly because of these, these big, like WordPress probably, I I don't know the numbers, but it it should, should be a big share of the, all the PHP systems running there, out there. But I think one of the the big advantages of PHP is the, um, well, what they call the, the, the shared nothing approach where it's when a request comes in and you start serving it, you start doing some work and then finally producing the HTML as a response. The moment you send the response, everything shuts down. So that this this worker pool where, well, it, it's done, the process closes and you won't have any issues with threads or concurrent mutations of the same variable. It's just all in one go and then you're done. And this makes it very easy to work with, with PHP as a beginner as well. Like you don't have to think about all kinds of concurrency issues, maybe only when a system is really highly concurrent itself but as a as a developer you, you rarely have to think about that well the funny thing is the the origin of it working that way <laughs> is actually really funny so originally one of the reasons why PHP works the way it does where you'll have these worker pools and they'll exit or they'll just they'll just quit when they're finishing the request is because of memory leaks right mm-hmm. so just to avoid memory leaks the thing is just like all right I give up I'm out of here yeah. like I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna quit when I'm done right. then they they got better about it and the way workers in the PHP FPM pool work now mm-hmm. is they will handle a certain number of connections, like, you know, whatever it's set to, maybe a couple thousand connections, whatever it is, and then they'll quit, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is, okay, we're still avoiding there being any kind of potential issue from garbage collection or too much memory being used up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're still going to quit at some point, but that is where that comes from. And, and now they're also trying to do stuff with frameworks like Swool, where they're mm-hmm. trying to get back to just having a long running process that just yeah. always sits there and handles async IO and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's everything's full circle, man. Everything's all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that, that's right. And it's interesting. And I, I don't really know, I don't have experience with, the, with that kind of framework, but uh, I, I don't know if we have to have this kind of feed for, for the backend as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it comes with all kinds of issues. And uh, yeah, like the people working on these frameworks, they know this because many libraries are really not aware of any kind of issues with memory leaks or they will just keep right. adding things to properties and, and, and keeping things in memory and don't worry about, uh, yeah, because it will be gone in a second. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with these kinds of setup, yeah, you have to really be aware of that. I'm, I'm still a bit confused. Where in the process of carrier pigeons and elves sending messages, creating messages in PHP, is this worker pool happening? I'm confused too, because I thought we had leprechauns in there. So you're gonna have to clarify. Yeah, let's, okay, let's, let's specify that there are leprechauns running back and forth through the tubes, yeah. d- delivering packets, the elves are creating messages in PHP and putting them together and then giving them back. Like, where's the worker pool in this process? 
So the, the worker pool is there. Typically, it's like a Linux service and it starts up the master PHP FPM process and then it will create X number of workers. Let's say 20 workers. You can configure how many start and then up to a maximum of, of more can be available. You know, whatever the maximum is you set and each worker handles one request. So, for instance, if you only had two workers mm-hmm. and four people hit your website, well, two people are going to wait <laughs> until the workers are finished handling the other uh, two requests. So part of the art of tuning a d- dynamic web server that uses PHP is is kind of tweaking the the pool and uh, and how all that balance works because each each worker process uses memory and all that stuff. But basically, the request comes in, Nginx sees that it's for PHP, Nginx passes it off to the worker pool, and the this is just a PHP process. Literally, like if you did a top or an H top on your Linux box, you would see maybe you know twenty PHP processes running. Most of them idle because they're not handling any requests, mm-hmm. but one of them would be handling the request and it would go through. And if the bytecode was there, it would just execute the bytecode and it would then return a result. And then that goes back to Nginx and that goes back down the pipe, back to your browser. That's awesome. I got it now. Mm-hmm. So why sort of getting back to that 80% number and just for some context, I had one client that wanted a rebuild of their entire digital platform and they had, they requested, actually they demanded that it not be written in PHP. And that's a, that's a different, that's a different, <laughs> we'll go into why later or maybe in a different episode. But yeah. I went on a, I embarked on a search for a CMS that was not written in C, in PHP that was good. And I found it difficult. It was, it was actually a tough, I mean, there are, they do exist. There's a couple of JS ones and some couple of Python ones, but they're not nearly as robust or developed as all of the ones that are written in PHP. I mean, we talk about craft CMS on this podcast a lot, which is an example of a very well-developed and robust CMS. So why is that the case, do you think? Why do all the CMSs in other languages kind of, you know, seem far behind? Ryan? (laughs) I I don't know definitively why, but I can kind of hazard a semi-educated guess, which is that I think it's just just historically is that the type of people that do that online publishing work, whether it's starting with blog, into more robust content management systems is that they are just come out of that type of that world, the PHP experience. And so that just tends to be where a lot of that work is being done. I mean, but that being said, you, you mentioned Python, Django, and you know, that was all that all came out of, I think, Lawrence, Kansas, if I remember correctly. And the there was a, a publisher there, like a newspaper or something, where Django kind of was built to to power to build a CMS to power a newspaper website, if I remember correctly. So there's I mean, I think there is a lot there, but I know from being old and have been around for a while is that PHP CMSs and applications applications had o- have always been a breeze to deploy and get up and running on a server. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the early days of Ruby on Rails and even Python, it was a bit more work on the, the server configuration to get those things up and running. That's no longer the case. Um, that is no longer the case at all. <laughs> right. But it used yeah. to be, though. So it used to be yeah. that the easiest path was for PHP. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? That's just kind of like my, like, just having been around and seeing these things transform is that it was just a, a path of least resistance. And it's also, there was more people fo- like focused on publishing, and they were already in the PHP world. So maybe that's where, why there's there's so much. Now this is separate from like the big enterprise CMSs, like Adobe Experience Manager, like all that stuff. Like that's that's like I think it's a, like that's in a whole nother. Yeah, but uh, Adobe Experience Manager is awful. It's right, but it's awful. like, but it, I'm sure it powers really big sites. So if you took that PHP number you had of like almost eighty percent, and if you weighted that by traffic, or yeah. I bet it would shift, right? Maybe it, it, you know a good point was made earlier about WordPress and it might not shift That's just true. because That's of true. how much mm-hmm. WordPress junk there is out there. I, I agree with you, man. I, I think that a lot of it is just that PHP happened to be one of the first things that came out that kind of let you do this and WordPress came out and a lot of people who were putting up websites, their first exposure was something like WordPress. And then everyone was there. They're like, oh, WordPress is written in PHP. And then everyone gets sick of WordPress and they say, I'm going to write my own CMS, damn it. And of course, they're going to write their own CMS and what they know, which is PHP, which they learned from this other thing. And that's where you get all of these other CMSs that, that have sprung up that are written in PHP. I really, I think it's just because everyone that's, they, they're taking what they knew and they're building something that they think is going to be better with right. what they knew. And in ease of build and deployment of 
online publishing systems wasn't before WordPress. Yeah, but you can even go back to movable type. Oh, and of course, that say was that I got chills up my spine. Of course, How dare you? That was written in Perl, right? Like that was just basically a series of Perl scripts that generated static files. And they ended up building a dynamic version of that. I remember when we had dynamic movable type. I want the hours of my life that I spent <laughs> writing Perl scripts back. I've never I really even heard do. of this thing. I mean, I've heard, of, that, I've heard of Perl, but I've not heard of movable type. Listen, you young whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my the wrinkles on my face are coming through the mic. The, the whole point is that we went from a very bespoke sort of one-off setup for a lot of companies early in the internet where they were publishing stuff online. A lot of people, a lot of people were just publishing ma- like manually editing HTML files and publishing them or building custom CMSs to where there was like a series of publishing systems like WordPress, like movable type and it's and stuff that came after it where more people could just download and install and run that on their servers. And that it wasn't always like that. And so I think that all started kind of in the PHP world and to just kind of blow it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. my and, that's and my take. For WordPress it was also the uh, and it, it still is quite good at this uh, to to just make itself work on any kind of server. <laughs> so right. if it has mm-hmm. PHP, uh, it, it can deal with it. It can deal with the old versions, not with the new versions, but then it, it will just work. It will figure, it, figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. It's funny because one of the things that you were mentioning as a strength, Ryan, in terms of getting a PHP website up and running, in, in terms of it being easier than it was to do Ruby or Python or you know any of these other things, I think that that is... Not only is that no longer the case, the DevOps part of it is one of the hardest things about getting a PHP site up and running for a lot of people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I understand that there are managed hosts that will take care of a lot of this stuff for you. But it's still in order to get a like, for instance, local development, you know, to spin up a node project in local development, you type a command and you're up and running. Whereas with PHP, like what uh, local development environment are you using? Are you going to use Docker? Are you going to use Valet? This, that, the other thing, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's interesting that 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 is flipped a little bit. But Mm -hmm. the thing I wanted to mention is the reason the other part of the question that you asked is why do all of the CMSs written in other languages, like why are they terrible? And they're not all terrible, right? So I'm not insulting every other CMS out there, believe me. But I think one of the reasons why they haven't had as much traction is where people are coming from. So people who were involved in using WordPress or other PHP CMSs were really involved in the content authoring part of it. A lot of the CMSs that I'm seeing from node-based CMSs and, and, uh, and Ruby and uh, some of the others is that they're really more developer-oriented. Like they're great if you want to like spin up your own GraphQL schema and whatever, but that when you show a content author that has a varying amount of experience in doing in technical work, you show them the back end, they're just like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? And for content-driven sites, that is a critical part of the equation is how friendly is this for the content authors to, to work with, at least, at least in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, when I was looking through the other ones that were not PHP, I, I didn't say they were terrible. I just said that they were underfeatured, that they hmm. they don't take care of a lot of the things that at least my clients and probably yours as well expect to have. And I right. they are definitely more developer oriented, which is often translates into being scary for non-technical people to use. And I guess the, the question that I had, which I think you guys have answered is whether that has to do with PHP as a language itself versus just the ecosystem that it happened to be around and who was using it. And it seems to me that there's no reason why a, a CMS can't be written in TypeScript that is mm-hmm. replicating everything that P- the PHP CMSs are are doing. It's just no one's done it yet, if that makes sense. So I, I totally get this. I was actually at, at a company that shall remain nameless, and we were talking about their JavaScript CMS that they were kind of working on. And they were showing me the documentation and, and everything. And I'm just like, well, where are the screenshots? Like there were no screenshots of any of the admin panels or do this here. It was all very much programmer reference documentation. You know what I mean? It wasn't content authoring documentation. It, it wasn't front end developer documentation. And they're looking at me, they're like, what? What's wrong? And I'm like, well, think about who is going to be able to digest this. It's just going to be JavaScript developers. And that is developers will build the site, but then they're not the ones that are going to spend 90% of the time with it, right? It's going to be the people that work with the site. Mm-hmm. So I think it I think it just has to do with who is coming from it. Sorry, Matthias, I, I cut you off. Oh, sorry. No, it- 
but it, it's right. And I think um, it's an interesting idea to, to think about um, taking WordPress and then just translating it to a different language. <laughs> like technically it should be doable, uh, but there is so much in it that um, it comes from a lot of experience with the system, like with people mm. using it, uh, maintaining it. And yeah, you, you just can't re replicate that. And this is the same for any kind of rewrite uh, project where you feel like, yeah, if only we could have this uh, system, but then yeah, in this kind of flavor or it, there is just so much that has been put into it that you, know, you won't get the same result if you start to port it in, in some way. And it's what, what do you think is important? Is it the developer experience? Is it the front-end developer experience? Is it the back-end developer experience? Is it the content author experience? You know, like what importance you place on these things is really going to determine what you're going to end up with. And I think a lot of the, especially a lot of the node-based ones are very, very developer-oriented, which I personally love, but I, I can't hand them to my clients. Ryan, can you? Right. No, oh, not at all. Ryan went to Taco Bell. Sorry, no. <laughs> yeah. but all right. Hope you enjoy your burrito, Ryan. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think that it's it's serving a completely different audience. So no, I mean, you can't hand that stuff to a client. Mm -hmm. But isn't that the end goal? Is for a lot of these sites, as we're building them for a client, isn't the end goal at some point that we, you know, barring any future development, that we hand it to them and then they use their expertise to build out, you know, the the content that's going to be on the website? Isn't that isn't that the goal for a certain type of project? Sure, true, but but not everything. Yeah, true. Well, I had the perfect segue from what Matthias said, but then Andrew took it elsewhere. So I'm going to jump backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, well, because I mean, he mentioned that it, sometimes people will take a project written in one language and you know think about porting it. And when w I was doing a bit of internet stalking of you, Matthias, and figured out that mm -hmm. that's kind of what you do, right? Is it? I mean, should we maybe talk about re uh, Rector um, and <laughs> and what that yeah. is? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I was thinking about a similar thing where, yeah, you, you could just do this in, a, in an automated way. It's It would, would be too much to, to do all of the work uh, manually, uh, like translating everything to another language and trying to find the, the the corresponding concepts there. Does does it have classes, public methods, or, you know, you have to think about that. But Well, in fact, that, that is something uh, I'm really interested in, uh, well, since a couple of months when, uh, yeah, th there is this tool called Rector and it's created for PHP, but I, th I think some languages may also have it in a similar way way, or at least it should be possible to make it in a similar way because it's based on the parser. So if you look at the language and uh, you, you start interpreting it, so it's it's funny that we talked about it just now, you look at the, um, the recognizable parts of it, you, you look at a bit of code and you start interpreting it, and then Rector can define uh, transformations of the code. So it can say, well, if, if no class has an extended uh, or has a subclass, then well, we can make the class uh, final, something like that. You know, it can also find uh, like methods that, that are nowhere cold in the code base so they can be removed it's, it's dead code so all of those those things can be yeah written as as transformations on as it's called the ast so the abstract syntax tree of a language so, this so sounds rather, almost like a this sounds like webpack for php <laughs> right yeah well it, it is a very very advanced tool and well it, it can basically beyond just translating which for javascript is, is very common like you, you, tra you translate some kind of advanced version of javascript to uh, like a more simple version of javascript uh, for PHP, it, it can actually go the other way. So if you have a, a very old or very simple code base that has a lack of types, a lack of strictness in general, then Rector can take your code base and basically transform it into something much better in little steps or in big steps, uh, whatever you like. Does it and translate it into actual text? In other words, like I run it through, mm -hmm. I've got this crufty old PHP 5 code. Mm -hmm. Do I run it through Rector and it spits out like a nice friendly PHP 8 code or does it yes. do the translation? Oh, it does. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting and uh, i mean so far uh, there haven't been that many changes in in the language but there have been some kind of some improvements uh, some better syntax yeah and and all of these can be added automatically as well as type hints which is something that um yeah it's very important for like the code quality and so i, think I could use this to modernize an old code base just by yeah that's amazing that's right it's really amazing <laughs> it's a very powerful tool and it, it can save a lot of hours of manual moving things around and renaming things and uh, yeah, like generally improving code. Now, a really common thing in the JavaScript world is that the language moves quicker than the browsers. Uh -huh. So, you know, let, let's say I want to use some modern, you know, ES Next syntax or whatever. Yeah. People then will use something like Babel or uh, mm -hmm. ES Build or, or something else that will take this, like I want to write in the 
developer experience. I want to write in the nice modern stuff, yeah. right? And but it, it will then compile it down to something dumbed down so mm-hmm. that the browsers can know something about it. Historically, we work in the context of Craft CMS quite a bit, mm-hmm. which currently supports everything from I think it's PHP seven two five and up, right? So mm-hmm. we are limited to the features of PHP that PHP seven two five has. Mm-hmm. W- would Rector let me write stuff in fancy PHP eight that could then be compiled down? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm not really sure about which version numbers are currently supported, but it it is possible to do a a downgrade. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's but that's amazing. Idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it's amazing because there are lots mm-hmm. of like I, I see all these new features coming out mm-hmm. in PHP eight, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I would love to use that, but I can't because yeah. the code that I'm writing, it's not its own thing. It's sitting in an ecosystem, and that ecosystem supports seven two five and up. So I, I'm, yes. that's it. I'm limited yeah. to that. But with Rector, I could write everything in PHP eight. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same for for packages. Um, <clears throat> if you want to to move on to the next versions for any kind of dependency that you have then yeah you always have to wait until somebody's ready for it or yeah you're you're behind and then you'd have to basically ask for a downgrade yeah and with rector you could you could do that so that's that's an interesting uh, idea for sure yeah. so this sounds i mean it sounds like it might be quite opinionated or mm-hmm. whose whose opinions um, are built into Rector? Ah, <laughs> well, it's an open source project. So there, there are many contributions so far. Mm-hmm. So it, it's Thomas um, who, who has created it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he's also the person who I wrote a book about Rector with. So that's um, that has been a very interesting experience as well, like being very close to the source and, and like the creator of this amazing tool. And he has a lot of opinions, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been discussing these as well, trying to find out, well, should they always be applied or can we maybe some make some exceptions or because in yeah it is a tool so it, it you have to define some rules in a very generic way mm-hmm. yeah there isn't always room for taste or style so that's something well you can either decide to give up on that uh, to to leave those discussions and in that sense it can also save you time like you, you won't have to look for all those different alternatives for yeah. all these stylistic aspects or you can basically say well f- for this piece of the code i don't want you to apply these rules you can just skip them right because i can understand how you can take newer functions and compile them down to how they had to be with older versions of the language and likewise i can understand how you can take older Mm -hmm. an older method and refactor it into a a newer way of doing it but yeah can it take bad code and make it good yeah in in fact uh, yeah it can look at code and and transform it in in ways Uh, an an example is the uh, the early return that that has been a common practice i think Mm. uh, for for, for a long time now okay it's it's go out of the function as soon as you know that you you, it's it's not your job <laughs> like you, you should leave uh, and there, there may be some conditions there like some preconditions that, that aren't met so you just do an early return and a lot of old code is is not using this this kind of pattern so rector can look at the code and and just transform it into using the early return after all and to to make it to modernize it like that as well that makes sense because i use php storm for php development mm-hmm. and i'll have maybe i'll have an if statement that has three conditions in there right yeah so one might say if boolean value is true right mm-hmm. and then the next one might be and the result of this function is true PHP Storm will tell me, hey, this is not a good order to have these things in. Or, right. Oh, I'm sorry. Reverse the order. Mm-hmm. But basically, the idea is it, it knows which is more expensive. So uh, checking yeah. a Boolean conditional mm-hmm. is not nearly as expensive as calling a, a method that then does mm-hmm. something. So right. it, it, will, yeah. it will tell me, hey, you should rearrange that. So you're saying Rector can make those kind of optimizations yes. for me. Yes, just definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just powerful. giving you the hints. It's actually... Uh-huh. It's actually doing it work for you. Yeah. Well, there there are two modes. You can say uh, give me the, the suggestions uh, as a dry run, and then yeah, you can you can fine tune it. You can you can make the changes yourself if you like. But uh, more and more, as I'm using this tool, I'm just letting it do the changes because in the beginning, it's really it's sometimes a bit frightening that it's taking taking over this, <laughs> <laughs> this amount of control. Like we as developers, I think that that's a very common thing. We want to be uh, fully in control. We want to type everything manually, right. and then suddenly it starts making those changes for you and it's like whoa <laughs> so the yeah. funny thing is i when i'm developing stuff in typescript for instance or if i'm developing mm-hmm. stuff in modern javascript i don't give two thoughts about the fact that mm-hmm. i'm that this stuff is getting compiled down into something else by Babel, right yeah or es build or whatever because i have i have faith in that tool 
And it's something that millions of people have been using for a long time. Yeah. But for some reason, it, it turns my stomach a little bit in thinking about this. But my here's my dream. Mm-hmm. My dream is I want to code everything in the most modern PHP available. I want all the syntactic sugar. I want all uh-huh. this. I want all that stuff. I want to be able to develop myself and anyone who's on my team on eight, PHP 8.1 when it's released. Mm-hmm. And as part of my CI process, when we push a commit in the CI process, I want it to run Rector. It'll mm-hmm. know what my target build, my target PHP environment is, and yeah. it will build everything for that environment. And then it will deploy that and it will just magically work, which is what we do now with JavaScript. But is that mm-hmm. viable to do with Rector and PHP now? Yeah, I think so. Although the the whole uh, downgrading part is is quite new. And of course, there are issues like um, you can look it up on GitHub. There, there will be issues reported about transformations going wrong or certain edge cases not, not being implemented yet. But so far, uh, yeah, the results are, are quite promising. And I think it's it's really important. The tool is, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe two years old by now, but it's it's um, mm. it's, it's not that much used yet, I believe. it's. I think it's it should become more much more popular because it's, it's going to save so many companies and so many teams a lot of time. Yeah, trying to to keep up with the changes because I, I don't think for PHP it, it's for most of the projects the problem is not downgrading but it's it's upgrading and uh, teams rarely invest regular time in into upgrading dependencies and like supporting the, the newer PHP versions so some are some are still at at PHP 5 6 and very old framework versions and yet they, they just don't have any way to upgrade the project right uh, because it, it takes so much manual work to yeah go from from this minor version to the next minor to the next minor and so on until you have finally reached 8.0 and that's just yeah nobody is going to put that work in the project <laughs> that's, yeah uh, i would love to get it to the the point or to have it at the point where it would work the way i was saying where i just could mm-hmm. write in any version of the language i wanted to yeah. and i could set a build target to any version of the language i wanted to right and it would just work and i think the javascript world has proved that this yeah. is possible to do yeah it's just a matter of you know whether it's gonna gonna get done mm-hmm. so they, this actually reminds me so this optimization thing reminds me that we need to to loop back to one other thing on uh, PHP and the way that it works. Because one of the things we're talking about is build time optimizations when we're mm-hmm. talking about Rector in terms of, of how it works and you know where we're moving the uh, execution of what's in an if statement around, for instance. One of the things that they introduced in PHP 8 is this thing called a JIT. So mm-hmm. the JIT is the just-in-time compiler. And when I was talking about the fact that before we nowhere were we actually executing C code, right? We were actually interpreting the bytecode and the, the run the Zend engine was was doing its thing. Mm-hmm. This JIT that is in PHP 8, which is optional, you have to turn it on. But what it does is it goes one step further. It doesn't just keep the bytecode, it doesn't just take the PHP code and save it as a bytecode. It actually compiles it into actual native code and then keeps those chunks of code around. And then the next time something comes through and it wants to execute that same code path, it will just use the already natively compiled code to do its thing. And this has some performance improvements for things like websites that are handling requests. But the big improvement is sort of similar to the big improvement in WebAssembly, which is more computationally based stuff. But I think it's important to bring up the JIT because that was a big addition in PHP 8. And then the JIT also will do runtime optimizations where it will do stuff kind of like what Rector is doing. It will actually be able to analyze the code flow. And if it's always taking a particular branch, it can then kind of optimize for that at runtime, Mm. which I I think is interesting. So where should these optimizations be done or should we do them in both places? I don't really have a solid opinion about this uh, since I'd never actually use it. Make one up then. Just make it I don't really know. I think that runtime performance, but it might depend on what kind of clients that, that you know I've worked yeah. with, but um, has rarely been an issue. And so far, it's always developer performance and mm. people really slowing down uh, teams not being able to produce any useful feature anymore right. uh, just because they're working with this pile of legacy code and it's really yeah hard to maintain it. Yeah, and if Rector is able to take legacy code mm-hmm. and even let, let's say it only gets you 90% of the way there, yeah. that is still a huge 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 amount yes. of labor that it has gotten rid of yes for sure yeah and that's that's uh, again the, the the idea about the rewrites and i think it, it's very interesting you mentioned this that a company said well 
we want a rewrite, but not in PHP. And I think yeah. th th there is a, an issue there. Uh, it's probably because that, yeah, like the project was a really old project and it was impossible to upgrade. And now, yeah, then, then they blame the tools probably, you know, yeah. Uh, because yeah, uh, for sure, there are old bad frameworks, bad libraries, and even the, the very often used WordPress platform is it's badly written. Uh, that's that's mm. just a known known issue with it. Like it's really hard to improve uh, its code quality. <laughs> People have been spending a lot of time to it, like to make it make it better. But still, yeah. uh, it's it still has this this reputation. It's it's really hard. Well, don't worry, we're gonna hide your address from all the WordPress <laughs> fanatics. Like oh, we're, oh, we're gonna make sure we, we we cover you. Don't worry, it's okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, it like didn't mean to offend anyone, and uh, this is uh, really, <laughs> really hard anyway. Like to to talk about frameworks and and CMSs without yeah, like it's in, the internet. You people. can't say anything without <laughs> offending or getting someone riled up. Don't yes. worry about it. I, I was yeah. just I was just teasing you. No, for is, sure. Yeah, it is actually. Uh, I think it's amazing that this could breed new life into old code bases. I think the other thing with PHP, again, remember the origins of the language that we're talking about in the beginning. It was just a dude wanting to be able to have some dynamic stuff on his homepage, right? So a lot of the people that got involved in learning and writing PHP, they they didn't have formal computer science training. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, so they just kind of like got it. And maybe the quality of the stuff that they wrote wasn't wonderful, which is yeah. fine. Like it makes sense. If you're not yeah. trained in the thing, no one is, is putting you down. We wouldn't expect that it would be wonderful. Yeah. I think that that has changed, but mm -hmm. there's some things from a reputational point of view that still yeah. may linger around in people's minds, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think many people know PHP from, from the bad times. <laughs> like, yes. uh, the right. language itself was really bad. It was uh, slow, had many inconsistencies. Yeah. And and like this, yeah. these, these memory issues. It's but, like yeah. if you had a, a former boyfriend or a former girlfriend Mm -hmm. who cheated on you and lied to you and then five years later comes back and says no really i've changed i'm so much better now and you're gonna be like uh, i don't know well, i'm still kind of scarred by what happened you know yeah 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 i know yeah yeah but it, i mean it, it is definitely better in so many ways even but and this is yeah also because well it has become important to be a good language i think many yeah. so many people are using it yeah you can't stay behind on many many practices package manager we have composer now which is well or now it has been here for for years but before that it was just a matter of copy pasting things into your project from the inter internet as well and like never upgrading anything at all yeah. yeah well that's the other thing i love about something like rector is that it, it, assuming that it works as advertised it removes some of the fear of upgrading stuff yeah you know? can help out with that yeah, yeah, I hope so. Uh, so far, yeah, I've I've also encountered a lot of fear from developers, uh, as I mentioned. Like, it's really hard to give up this control. At the same time, and, and this is something you you can just start doing. You can add Rector to your project and just enable a few of the simpler rules and let yeah. let it just know when you make a mistake there, and you will start liking it. And then you can add more because well, it has so many rules that uh, yeah, you would be overwhelmed by all the mistakes that you make. <laughs> so that's not you, you don't want it. Well, but it, it it's good to um, ease it in bit the funny thing is what we and i get it like i feel the the concern and the worry about it but mm -hmm. what we are worried about about you know, this tool taking my beautiful code and, and mm -hmm. doing something horrible to it it's yeah. something that the javascript world they're like this is normal like we, we right. can't even write anything that is not yes. automatically translated it just it's yeah. par for the course there's literally there's almost nothing <laughs> that you write in javascript that isn't then transpiled into something else mm -hmm. it just it doesn't even happen yeah and the whole ecosystem is very used to that idea of we can use the most modern thing. We don't have to wait because we've got That's this right. whole tool chain to compile down, which I think has been a problem in languages like PHP that are constantly adding features, but you're restricted from when you're actually able to use those features. Yeah. But the other thing I would say to developers, and this is coming from someone who used to write assembly language and stuff. Mm -hmm which no longer can you effectively do. Compilers are just better at it than humans, even for mm. embedded system stuff. But you write stuff and you're like, this is my pristine code. You would be shocked yeah. at what goes yeah. on under the hood in right. terms of how your code is torn around, transformed and reordered and just all sorts of crazy stuff happens to your code. It is yeah. not what you write. It is not that at all. Yes. So I've, I think I have one more question for Matthias before we mm -hmm. wake up Ryan and then wrap up. Um <laughs> Is, uh, 
is what's next on your plate, at least, I mean, maybe what's next for Rector or what's next for you in terms of mm -hmm. making PHP more awesome? Yeah, well, the, the Rector project for me has, has finished a bit uh, okay. because, well, we, we wrote a book about it. Um, what the book? What's the name of the book? Yes, I don't know it's, the name of the book. it's Rector, The Power of Automated Refactoring. <laughs> and nice. you can get it on LeanPub. And it's it's very interesting to, to learn more about uh, programming PHP, the language, interpreting it, and then transforming it in, a, in an automated way. So that's, that's, that's going to be very interesting to look into. But yeah, I, I am somewhat of a serial writer. So I keep writing about things that are that I think are important for PHP developers. And yeah, I'm, I'm planning a book on testing and also another one on domain-driven design. So there, there are plenty of projects uh, waiting for me. That's awesome. Well, we'll have to get you back on to talk about those. Sounds Unlike great. Jennifer, who is a serial stalker on the internet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's <laughs> looking, looking you up and researching you and everything. Oh, I, thought you, I thought you were writing about cereals like Frosted Flakes and stuff, which is also interesting. Right, that's so also put Ryan back to sleep. <laughs> I, I think that's great. Well, I think unless anybody has anything really delightful or profound to say. The only other thing I wanted to add is going with what I was saying before. When you're writing code, just let go of the fact that what you're writing is this wonderful, perfect thing. Because really, when you're writing code in whatever language you're writing in, you're writing intents. And then there are layers and layers of stuff that interpret what your intents are and what you want to do and end up rearranging it and mangling it and doing all sorts of crazy stuff to it. So if you are listening and you're hearing about Rector and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want anyone to touch my beautiful code, trust me, your beautiful code doesn't look anything like what you wrote in terms of what actually ends up getting executed, even the order of stuff like all sorts of craziness goes on and i would say give rector a shot man i think it sounds really really interesting exactly totally agreed wonderful well that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast if you enjoy the show make sure to subscribe tell a friend or drop us a review either nice or insulting as the case may be we really appreciate it <laughs> from the devmo.fm podcast i am jennifer bloomberg and i'm andrew welch I'm Ryan Ireland. And thank you and so I'm much. Yeah, thank you so much, Matthias. We really <laughs> appreciate it. And hope you come back on again. Yes, would be nice. Thank you. Cool. Great. Thank you, Matthias, for coming on. We're still recording. We're doing this little quick after show thing. So I want to know, Ryan, yes. how many tacos did you eat while we did that podcast? <laughs> I, didn't have any, I didn't have any tacos. There's no tacos here in my office, mm -hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> I, was, you think, I was present and <laughs> awake despite being accused <laughs> of napping. Did you have fun, Matthias? Yes, it was nice talking to you. It was really interesting. Yeah, that was great. So I'm going to stop the recording.